So this is the last ever retro Answer Me This. I know. <sighs> the parade of regret limps to a conclusion. The last ever parade of regret. Yeah, we could just do that, couldn't we, for an hour? Just talk about all the things we've regretted <laughs> since 2007. <laughs> Forgive me, Father. <laughs> that being the case, we had lots of options. Um, we could have played out episode one. I know there are some of you who would have liked no. us to have done that. No, I had a Facebook memory quite recently where evidently I'd had to re-listen to episode one for something, probably for one of our previous landmark episodes where I was making a compilation or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it was excruciating to me however many years ago that was. And I feel like my excruciation threshold is so much more tender now. So sorry, you're going to have to buy them if you want to hear that. And I am sorry. Um, answer me this store.com. We could have done what many of you have requested over the years as well, which is play out all of our jingles in a big playlist. Oh, yeah. We should do that. The thing is, like, hundreds of you have requested it, but I still think it's a niche of a niche. Like, I don't know how many of our normal (laughs) audience want to hear an hour of jingles back to back with us commenting in between. Well, it's also funny that Martin would often do, like, a riff on a young uh, electro-pop act that he was into at the time, Mm. and then their career shortly afterwards would seem to evaporate. He's the kiss of death. Yeah, which is sad. Like the Mercury Music Prize. (laughs) (laughs) But when it came down to it, there was actually one episode that we've never replayed out on the feed since we made it in December 2011, which was the obvious one to play as our last ever retro Ask Me This, because it was also from a significant anniversary. It was our 200th episode, and it's the one with all our family in it. Yeah, I thought, well, this is an all-time favourite. And then when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, it's not that comfortable to listen to. (laughs) There are still uncomfortable moments. At at least uh, not entirely my fault this time. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a bittersweet listen now, obviously, as well, um, because uh, my dad is no longer with us. Um, He always said that Grandma Terry would outlive him, by the way. He used to call her the Terminator. Uh, partly because she had so many artificial limbs, you see, but also partly because she would just refuse to die. I'm glad she has refused to die. She's still what with a us. a great woman. And she is a great woman. And I think she's probably, I'd go as far to say, the star of this episode. Like, not the funniest, but definitely the most um, comforting to listen to. She's an absolute dreamboat. <laughs> is her decor exactly the same as it was no. 10 years ago when we went? No, always evolving, Helen. My grandma oh, is splendid. always, she used to work as an interior designer and she's always on trend. Wow. So no, she's, I mean, as recently as three weeks ago, offered me her rug, which she only bought three years ago for me to use as soundproofing for my studio because she's buying another one to match a new colour scheme. She's 94. Wow. <laughs> I did think it would be interesting to do a kind of 7-Up style thing where like every few years we record with our family so some of them would be no longer there and others of them would have Mm. been born like your children have been born since this Mm. and are of talking age and I think also ask them the same set of questions and see how their answers evolve because I'm sure my nibblings who are aged between three and five when we recorded this, would have quite different answers now that they are in their teens. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they would. That's an interesting idea, but I mean, had we thought that far ahead, then we would have chosen different questions, I think it's fair to say. Oh, yes, <laughs> maybe some more philosophical ones. Yeah, rather than just whatever happened to be in our email that month. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, your dad is in this too, and uh, he yeah. is still with us, but he has Parkinson's. Well, he had Parkinson's then, but it's a degenerative disease, obviously, so yes. uh, I guess he sounds different now. He really does. Uh, it's a lot harder for him to speak now, and um, he has increasing dementia as well Mm. i'm glad to have some of his voice recorded that's it isn't it because it's not necessarily the best of the people that we've recorded here who are close to our (laughs) hearts you know like Mm. when they're gone you're not listening back thinking yes that's that's my dad's finest moment it's more just there's a particular quality 
that someone brings out when they when you put a microphone in front of their face and they're not used to broadcasting, which is it's them on their best behavior in a way, like it's the version of themselves they want the world to hear, but at the same time they're being caught slightly off guard. You just don't really get it any other way. Like it's an incredible record to have of someone. Well, you say that, but I think actually the Orstwick family, the Sound Fam, yeah. <laughs> seem the most comfortable on mic. Yes. Even though they had probably been faced with fewer mics in their time. Yes, that's true. I wonder if it's because you and I were more relaxed there in their house because the lower stakes for us, like Martin's family, Perhaps. you know, we're not on edge so yeah. much. Like there's a moment where my mum says, you're looking horrified, Oliver, which... Uh, <laughs> which moment would that have been? Oh, so many to choose from. Yeah, well, I must have just had like a sphincter tightened expression the whole time we were there, really. <laughs> I also remember that uh, your mum, who is uh, a splendid uh, person and forever intriguing, delivers quite a strange choice of anecdote when a questionnaire asks for unusual holiday anecdotes. And I remember at the time we debated a lot amongst ourselves as to whether to include it because we didn't want to seem like we were like, oh, ha ha, this is a funny anecdote. Mm. Even at the time we were evolved enough not to do that. Yeah. I mean, extraordinarily listening to it now. Yeah, it's not just my mum. Like both my parents deliver as their comedy anecdote, essentially a story of sexual assault. Yes, and I think we kept it in because we were, were like, it's incredibly striking. That's what she chose as her answer to this question. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's not us, is it? It's different when it's someone else saying it, isn't it? She she did say it. And uh, mm. it is interesting that, that it's extraordinary that that was her answer to the question. Also, online dating amongst your parents' generation, it would have come a long way since what your parents are saying about it nearly 10 years ago when it's still quite embarrassing. You wouldn't tell anyone you'd done it. Yeah, well, it's interesting to hear my mum decrying online dating because... I mean, I'm going to be careful about uh, suggesting that she's available on any of the services online because uh, some of you at the time that this episode came out 10 years ago called her a MILF and she looks the same. Yeah, we chat about her boobs a lot Um, in this episode (laughs) as well. Uh, But she is anyway, uh, you know, someone who now dabbles in online dating to an extent. So that's interesting uh, because her attitude was obviously not against but uh, dubious 10 years ago. I suppose she hadn't had occasion to try it, and now she has. I hope she's uh, having a nice time with it. Also, the whole idea that someone might meet on World of Warcraft now seems like a really innocent way to meet a potential partner. Yeah. Like, now, if someone said that they'd met someone online, you'd sort of assume a casual hookup app, wouldn't you, first? Yeah. My heart sank when we delivered a question unto my mother about veganism mm. and vegetarianism, uh, because she, while, while having the demeanour of a very rational person... Plucky scout mistress, I'd say. She has some wacky opinions. <laughs> wacky opinions. And it's odd because she eats a lot of vegetarian meals and yet she doesn't seem to be able to square her own habits with whatever abiding principles she has. She says, uh, and I didn't interrogate this at the time, she says, Helen was born old. Anything we said made no impression on her whatsoever. Do you think that's true? Mm. No. Of course, they made a lot of impression upon me, partly because they taught me everything that I knew until... Uh, I went to school yeah. and uh, partly because I wouldn't have had a lifetime of uh, body hatred had they not installed that in me from uh, <laughs> from an age I was uh, aware that I had my body. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad we set the record straight on that Thanks. One. Thanks, parents. Um, anyway, your Ooh. dad's hilarious. Two zingers straight out the gate, despite sounding a yep. bit frail. Nonetheless, hilarious. <laughs> and Rick is also hilarious as well. Although, again, like, yes. you know, 
I know what he's doing. I know he's doing a kind of Clarkson-esque thing, isn't he? Where yeah. he's like saying things that he knows are outrageous, but probably doesn't really believe. But then we probably included a few too many of them. Yeah, I uh, was surprised that he says, stop being such a poof, which he didn't mean specifically that someone was gay. However, it is still that connotation of uh, yeah. gayness being a bad thing. And I... I don't think he had unpicked that at the time. And I don't think he would say that now. I certainly haven't noted him saying anything like that for years. But I also make sort of gay jokes with Martin's parents about Martin. Yes. Where I was like, well, everyone's surprised Martin wasn't gay. And I make the same reference, actually, with my dad. Like, I, at the moment where he realised that I wasn't gay. And actually, it's, yeah, it's it's not so much that any of the individual comments are unpermissible. It's the taken on mass. I was listening to it thinking, God, yeah. if I was gay, I'd think that this episode was a bit homophobic. I, I did not remember that being the case at the time. Certainly incredibly heteronormative and gender binary. Yeah, yeah. In many ways. I think what it meant as well is like Martin, uh, at the time Martin was a teenager and in his early 20s, things like men's garments in Britain tended to be like incredibly like boring, masculine. And he liked to wear, he had this like cream fluffy coat made out of fake fur. He had this like satin shirt with orange patterns on it. He really loved shiny things like Diamante. And uh, I guess people's uh, expectations at the time were just so basic that maybe that's what I was talking about still. I, I don't love that I said that. I don't love that the kids and I are talking about like very gender binary wedding clothes. Nor would they now, I don't think. Oh, I'm pleased to re- report that since uh, we recorded this episode, my brother Rick no longer works at Microsoft. He left, uh, did a master's degree, and now he works in climate. So really did turn it around. You wouldn't have predicted that. Yeah. I also had forgotten that he stood for local government uh, for the Conservatives. And what happened was the Lib Dems sabotaged his campaign and put leaflets through everyone's door saying my brother used crack. What? And uh, he only lost by a few dozen votes, so that probably helped him. Well, literally just just lying about him. Yeah. Wow. And he's a lot more socialist now. I don't think he is uh, pro-Tories. Yeah, but if you're a, a slightly more socialist Tory, then you normally end up voting for the Lib Dems, don't you? But he's not going to do that, obviously, if they say that he takes crack. To what <laughs> Where does he go? <laughs> I think when he stood, Blair was still Prime Minister, so maybe at the time it was just like a kind of bit of edgelording mm. standing for Tories, whereas now it's it's like, you know what you're standing for, and it's uh, the destruction of society. Nonetheless, uh, it is basically a delightful episode, I think. Oh, yeah. We should thank our sponsors for this episode, Squarespace. And if you want to dive back into Answer Me This's uh, first 200 episodes, they are available at AnswerMeThisStore.com, a site that Ollie built himself with Squarespace because you can build a, a store there very easily with safe online payments. Yes, uh, I saw an article actually that Squarespace collaborated on uh, this week with Vox, uh, which mm. said that people make a decision about whether or not to buy products from a business within 15 seconds of looking at their website. Wow. And obviously design is a huge part of that, isn't it? And if you don't have the skills yourself to create an all-singing, all-dancing website, you don't need to get a web designer. You can do it yourself with Squarespace. It, you know, that 15-second that test is passed even by using their most basic template, which is what I did on AnswerMeThisStore.com. It kind of... Uh, well, the stats prove it, Helen. People are prepared to buy our stuff from there. So they obviously trust us they with do. their money because it looks nice. Uh, and because it's easy. Maybe the 15 seconds is if after 15 seconds you can't even find the product you're looking for. You're like, ah, forget it. Uh, whereas uh, yours, it's like a very straightforward proposition. What do I want? This? Get it. Done. And also very like useful integrations with the payment services people actually want to use, like PayPal and Stripe. That's good too. And you can try out Squarespace for yourself if you go to squarespace.com slash answer. There's a 
two-week free trial for you. And if you want to then make that website into a permanent reality, uh, you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain if you go ahead and use our offer code, ANSWER. Answer. Well, in this episode, we mention some things such as a gallery of photos of us recording this with our families and a bumper app extra. And um, if you want to look and listen to those, uh, I've put them on our website, answermethispodcast.com slash retro 200. <laughs> 200 in, in numbers, not in uh, written out in words. A kinder suffix than gallery of month, which is what you used on the URL before. <laughs> I just was a bad person in the past. <laughs> And remember, you have until the end of July, so not very long now, to get your final ever questions in to answer me this, <sighs> the ones you absolutely have to get off your chest before this whole enterprise closes for good. Send them in yes. now via the contact details on our website, answermethispodcast.com. Yes, email or record voice memos. And after that, you're just going to have to Google your questions. Where's the fun in that, huh? But now let us go back to December 2011 and visit our families in retro Answer Me This 200. After 200 episodes, how come we're no wiser? Answer me this, answer me this. Why do I still work with Helen, though I've come to despise her? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Oh, it's not true, though, is it? it we, it's, it's just for comic effect. That's right. So long as we stay within the limitations of the court order, Helen, I'm pleased <laughs> to be working in the same room as you. But anyway... Episode 200. We've done it. We're here. Wow. We're here. And, wow. And you'd, you'd think we did despise each other by now. The 100th episode in mid-2009 feels like barely a blink of an eye away. And yet I remember on that day thinking, there is no way that we are getting to 200. No, I know. We have confounded my expectations. And to think back then we were on the same bill as LaRue. Where's she now? Exactly. Where's her 200th album? <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, LaRue. Well, uh, it seems appropriate on such a momentous occasion to have an email from a man whose name is Magnum, uh, and Magnum in Edinburgh, who says, congratulations on reaching 200 episodes. Thank you, Thank Magnum. You, Magnum. Thank you. Which is the same number of episodes that were made of Beavis and Butthead. Wow! Oh, that's pretty cool. Exactly Olio, 200. Yeah. yeah. 200, yeah. Gosh. Although they've got their revival now, haven't they? Have so they? they've, yeah, they've oh. started doing more new ones, yeah. Oh, I used to love it when they used to talk about the videos and, and, and be silly about them. But now the what they're going to do on MTV, there aren't any videos, just episodes of scripted reality yeah, TV. Yeah, you've got a point. Well, apparently mm. they do watch episodes of Jersey Shore or something <laughs> and do a film review as well as doing the music videos. That's a good, good choice. Actually, it's a reasonable comparison because we like to watch music videos as well, don't we? Yeah, yeah. and have a little talk around them. Yeah. And it must be said that I do need TP for my bunghole. <laughs> <laughs> We're not both voiced by the same middle-aged man, though. Well, Magna also says that uh, if we do another four episodes, apparently we will have beaten Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh gosh! That's never a show that appealed to me because none of those words individually appealed to me. Never mind in combination. <laughs> Twenty-four only had one hundred and ninety-two episodes. Wimps. Uh, Fraser did two hundred and sixty-four, so that's my benchmark. Ooh. Oh, um, Lassie apparently had five hundred and eighty-eight. Oh, who's still watching? And yet Bagpuss had about six. Mm. Here's where I stand on that, Helen. Right now, I would obviously rather watch a single episode of Bagpuss than Lassie. Yes. I think I would rather watch 588 episodes of Lassie than Bagpuss. <laughs> I think 588 episodes of Bagpuss would drive me clinically mad. But uh, let's just say, listeners, thank you for sticking with us for some or all of these 200 yeah. episodes. Especially if you were there at the beginning when we were a bit rubbish. Yes. Well, in fact, we had an email from somebody who was there at the beginning. He was a child then. He was 13. It was Phil Fieldhouse. And then he disappeared. We know not where to grow up. Puberty, I should imagine. Yeah, you know, that, what happens. that often Girls. knocks out a lot of our audience. We see them come and go like ships in the night. And then they come back when they're disillusioned with yeah. life. <laughs> anyway, he said, answer me this, Ollie. Why did I 
ever stop posting you questions? Why did I ever stop listening to your good, solid banter? Why did I decide to do well at school (laughs) rather than getting stoned and chilling out listening to the upbeat sound of your voices and the dreamy tones of Martin the Soundman? Is that what our listeners do? Do they get wrecked and listen to to me this? Are we like the Pink Floyd of the noughties? He says, I must apologise for not being in contact with you guys for so long. Many thanks from a distant friend, Phil, who was once 13, but is now 18, and getting slightly emotional at the thought of being reunited with Answer Me This. That is an extraordinary thing, isn't it? That someone who started listening to us when they're 13 is now 18. I realise it's just the passage of time. I realise that's what happens when you've been doing this as long as we have. Yes, I mean, when we started this show, listeners, in January 2007, I had a young person's rail card, a gallbladder, and a boyfriend. (laughs) I've got any of those things now. But enough of these misty watercoloured memories, because we promised you special guests oh, we did. in episode 200. We did not lie. You're going to love this. Do you want to hear who they are? Yes, please. Hello, I'm Karen and I'm Ollie's mum. Hello, I'm Stanley and I'm also Ollie's mum. Uh, dad. <laughs> Hello, I'm Alison Zaltzman, Helen's mother. Hello, I'm Helen Zaltzman's father, Zach Zaltzman. Hi, I'm Dave and I'm Martin's dad. I'm Val, I'm Martin's mum. I'm Kate, I'm Martin's sister. Oh, Yes. Forget Josie Long, forget John Ronson. These are the biggest guests we've ever had on Answer Me This. Our parents. We were begged. We were begged to go to Hollywood to do a special edition from there. Rupert yeah. Murdoch said he'd pay us a million dollars to do Answer Me This 200 on his yacht. Jack we Nicholson said, was crushed. He had a lot of funnies prepared. <laughs> we said, no, we've got previous engagements in Sussex, Stanmore and Wolverhampton. And we didn't just meet our parents. We met other people as well listening. So stay tuned. Let the episode 200 special parental guesty fun commence. And for this section of the show, we are in the Zaltzman family pile. I'm here in the heart. I was going to say the heart of Sussex. Just on the borders, right actually, on the edge, about 50 yards from Kent. And who should we have here? But they're famous from the show. If you're a regular listener, you'll know their names. It's Alison and Zach Zaltzman. Hi. Thank you very much. And Juniper the dog, who is still alive, despite predictions last week that she was going to die for Helen's wedding. Here's an easy question to start off with. Uh, it's from Simon from Wimbledon. And he says, uh, answer me this. Why are there so many shit hotels in Eastbourne? Well, it's good having them all in the same place. You've never been tempted to pop down there for a little holiday? No, no, they're not shit enough. (laughs) (laughs) Here's one for Mother. It's from an anonymous person. My entire family, my mother, brothers and I, were vegan until I was 14. But a few months after I turned 14, we decided to become vegetarian, which was a big moral decision for all of us. I was very reluctant at first, but now I have no problem with eating vegetarian products. And recently I started eating meat dishes in the canteen at school. But I haven't told my family. I'm terrified of what they will say. So, mother, answer me this. What should I do? Face the shame of being honest, as I'm not that good at lying and may eventually slip up, or deal with the constant guilt? Don't be guilty. You'll be by far the healthiest, best looking, most well-adjusted person in your family. Are you saying vegans are ugly? I think that is what she's saying. She's going to back I'm out of it now. I'm saying that a good balanced diet will mean you'll have a clear skin, bright eyes, good brain, and you won't have all the troubles of trying to find a restaurant when you're out with friends that serves vegan food. Oh, that's true, isn't it? But how would you broach that with your family? Because, of course, Dad had to, at some point, intimate that he was no longer keeping kosher to his mother how did that go down he lied about it for years and years okay so this person should carry on lying forever I think when you reach 
the age of maturity at 18, you just come out and say, well, you have your opinion, I have mine. And I'm going to eat meat, but I won't eat it in your house. What was the, the non-kosher food that turned you, Zach, first of all? Was it bacon? Uh, I wouldn't comment on that. Your mother's not going to hear this. <laughs> She's not got the internet. Purely due to there not being anything else to eat. It was either starved to death or, or eat non-kosher food. Where, where were you where there was nothing to eat but pork? <laughs> I, was, I was in Canada. <laughs> when I first took Zach home to meet my parents, who were a bit... Sorry that I was marrying somebody of a completely different faith and they had an idea it would be a problem. Well, my mother said to him, what would you like for breakfast? And when he said bacon and eggs would be nice, she felt a great deal better about him after that. (laughs) Mum, here's another question for you. It's from Tigger from Brighton, uh, who says, two years ago, Arthur asked me out, and I also have to say at the time he was a bit of a whelk, brackets, a clammy old fish that has no purpose, close brackets, and he sent me a message and I never said no or yes. I just didn't reply because, as I said, he was a whelk. Oh, this well, is a child. really fair. So we're asking you because you have experience of children having worked in secondary schools for a long time. Now, I recently saw him and he's very, 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 very fit. So answer me this. Is it wrong to ask Arthur out after having ignored him? I think you probably pretend you never got the email originally. Mm. As you ignored it, he'll never know. And you can show tremendous pleasure at being in his company and say you were so upset when you hadn't heard from him the first time. And with a bit of luck, you'll soften his heart and he'll take you out. You must have seen this happen, though, in your career as a teacher many times, that kids go away for the summer and then blossom and come back being suddenly sort of uh, like in Greece or something, (laughs) suddenly become studs in the playground. And the girls come back with their skirts a lot shorter than they ought to be, and the boys come back knowing full well that the girls will now sit next to them. Can you confirm that it is, in fact, possible, even if previously... As this person, Arthur, seems to have been, you've perceived as a bit of a dog. It is possible to turn yourself around. Absolutely. Yeah. It happens every long summer holidays. There you are, so have faith. You've mentioned before that a meat diet would be useful to look, <laughs> look your best. <laughs> what other tips do you think? Having observed the kids that come back looking like teenage studs, what do you think is the best, the best I, way for them I to I think prepare? for the boys, they certainly need to get some fresh air and get off their Xboxes and things and get out in the fresh air so they don't look, so they come out from under a rock. Okay. Um, and for the girls? And for the girls? Just let nature take its course? Scrape the paint off your face and let the real you shine through. So, meaty diet, go outside, no cosmetics. <laughs> Some cosmetics. It's quite austere. Now, we've got a question that uh, is about marriage now and the intimacy of marriage. Uh, it's uh, from Sean in Portland, Oregon, uh, although he specifies not an American. He says, I've been married to my wife for just over six months. So we're looking for the wisdom here of a marriage. How long have you been married? Uh, 41 years. 41 years. So, okay, they've, they've got 40 and a half years on you, Sean. Uh, and Sean says, we generally have an open and honest relationship, but today we got into an argument about one area of my life I refuse to share with her. She will happily strain out a steaming crap with the door open and the cat and I looking on at the whole smelly process, but she's never seen me take a dump in our entire relationship. She says this means... I don't fully trust her, but I just can't defecate with anyone else present, including my spouse. She's tried to burst in on me several times when she thinks she'll catch me in the act. This is really weird. But I've thus far managed to thwart her attempts. So, Zach and Alison, answer me this. Does my aversion to sharing my toilet sessions with my wife mean I don't really trust her? Am I right to get angry when she tries to burst in on me? And is it normal for other couples to accompany each other to the toilet? 
Well, having been married 41 years, I can't talk about other couples, but by gosh, I have locks on my doors. Got to keep some mystery in the relationship, right? And if I was him, I would put at least two bolts on the bathroom door and make sure they are shut. So how should he resolve the trust issue that she's created? I think he probably could inform her that is a perversion to expect to see somebody (laughs) 24 hours a day in all shapes. And doesn't it rather take the romance out of your vision of a person Mm, mm. if you've spent intimate time sharing a toilet? There are plenty of other ways to kill romance over 41 years, aren't there? Yes. Zach, how would you feel if you walked past the bathroom and Alison was in there in the toilet with the door open? Would you comment on it? Would you find it weird? I would say I wish we had a second toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Having recently been in hospital where you are by the nature of it in close proximity to other people um, <laughs> while they're doing their ablutions I can only imagine that made you fall in love with them wonderful no? to <laughs> yes. get home and have a door to lock now Zach Helen has mentioned before I'm afraid on the podcast that you do like to wee outside a lot yes this uh, is, uh, reinforces the ecological balance in our garden <laughs> What's the so it's very important that I get out there, summer or winter, rain or s- snow or sunshine, and do the, do the necessary. So this is the 200th episode of our show. When did Helen first tell you that we were doing this podcast? What were your initial reactions? And what do you think about the fact that we're doing this for free for five years? Total indifference to all of those questions. I thought she's following in her father's footsteps, doing something <laughs> that will never make any money. <laughs> when it comes to the public perception of Helen, uh, that she's very sharp... Uh, very intelligent, uh, kind of loyal, but quite pedantic as well. And I'm I'm being polite there because I'm in front of her parents. I'd say very pedantic. Uh, Does that line up with how you perceived her as as a child? Yes. And as an adult. Was was she broadcasting sort of from the womb? Helen was born old. (laughs) She always knew her own mind. Did she turn into the young Brad Pitt at 52 or is that a different film? (laughs) Always argued her case, always knew what she wanted. And to be honest... I don't think we brought her up. I think she brought herself up and anything we said made absolutely no impression on her whatsoever. And Helen was never going to be shoehorned into anything that other people thought was normal. Well, I think you've acquitted yourself very well, especially, Dad, you who've never listened to the podcast, as far as I can tell. No, I haven't yet, I have to confess. (laughs) How how did it strike you, the whole experience? Uh, It was okay. Christmas is coming. Have you been good? What do you want from Santa? A little border collie. A book of where's Wally? A lifetime supply of Fanta. How about 40 hours of your favourite podcast if your favourite podcast is this one? Because for 79 pence each you can buy our first 80 episodes. Perfect for your mum. Go to answermethispodcast.com slash classic for this festive cheer. And your PayPal payment will help fund our show well into the shiny Shiny New Year, though, according to the Mayans, it'll be our last. Well, I'm very excited to be in the depths of Hertfordshire at Ollie's father's place of work, which is full of incredible vintage cars. And I'm with Ollie's parents, Karen and Stanley. Thank you very much for celebrating our 200th episode with us in this way. Thank you for having us. Uh, Here's a question for Stanley from Phil from Treoku, who says, Answer me this. Why are pepper mills in Italian restaurants so big? The only way I can answer that is look at the waiter that's turning the pepper mill and he's also dreaming 
dreaming something else that might have to do that with to me it tells me that they have to lean over several people to administer the pepper and it gives them greater reach i think it's about fishing for tips actually i think it looks like they're doing something that's involving a lot more effort than if they just passed you some pepper why is it that in a restaurant you manage to pick up your own knife and fork you manage to cut your own food up but somebody has to come on and spray a powder over it to make you sneeze why why just pepper? Why don't they do anything else? Tradition. I don't even like bloody pepper, right? And every time I go to a restaurant, they bring some peppers with the pepper on the food. Why? That's not Italian accent. It's a Polish Italian want, Because they're all bloody Polish in our restaurants. <laughs> Polish Hello, hello darling, I'm going to put some pepper on your meal. Yeah, lovely. Okay. What, would you, what would you like them to come and sprinkle on your food instead? Nothing. Nothing. Well, you just said you'd like, you'd like something else. Well, like Tabasco, must mayonnaise. There's a hundred and one things you could ask for, isn't it? Mustards. Must must have been nice. That'd be fun. Yes. Would you like some mustard? They never asked you that. Uh, Stanley, as I should call you in this official setting, you've been to a lot of auctions in your life, uh, and this is a question from Luke in Ipswich about auctions. So we thought you'd be the guy to answer this. He says, "We've all seen the scene in the movies. A guy is at an auction and has an involuntary muscle spasm, <laughs> but as it turns out, he just accidentally bid forty grand on a fifteenth-century doghouse." So, Stanley, answer me this: If you inadvertently bid on an item in an auction, are you legally obliged to pay, or can you get out of it? Well, many years ago, I sold a car at auction, and the guy put his hand up, carried on bidding. When it got almost to the end, he bid again on a sneeze. Wow. <laughs> and the auctioneer, I swear to God, the auctioneer dropped the hammer and said, thank you, car sold. Wow. And I went up to the guy afterwards and I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I sneezed. I said, why don't you tell him you didn't want it? He said, I've got all my friends here. I was too embarrassed. Here's another question for you from Jules from Telford, who said, a few years ago, we visited our friends Mary and Jay in Miami. During our visit, we went to see where Jay worked and got to see him in action. Jay is a mortician, and we saw him <laughs> embalming a 112-year-old woman. Ooh. So, Stanley and Karen, please answer me this. What is the weirdest thing that you've ever done on holiday? It was in Australia and I had volunteered to take a group of Down Syndrome people out and one of them went missing. (laughs) That's not a holiday, that's a tabloid scandal. (laughs) No, no, well, it was a scandal. It turned out, actually, um, that she'd actually... uh, um, Someone had taken advantage of her and she had actually received some money for Jiggy Jiggy. Right, Whoa, that yes. is an unusual. Holiday. I think well, should we cut that. I haven't got anything like that. <laughs> Most people haven't got anything I've like got, that. I've got nothing like that. You were well, on skis, drunk. <laughs> oh no, that's not you fair. You arrested. I was, I was arrested skis. on skis. That is yes. true. Yes. When was that? <laughs> so I was in Kitzbühel about uh, twenty-five years ago, and I went down this run that started at the top of the mountain, and I noticed all the way down the mountain these huts, and I wondered what they were. And they're little cabins. And you go to the cabin, and they have glubwein, which is a nice warming wine. No, tell me about it. So by the time I got to the bottom of this run, I was well and truly settled, and uh, and absolutely, and finished up actually in the road, still on the skis because it was going straight into the road where I then got arrested. There was also, when I was a kid, you sold a car to uh, Tom Selleck and we went to California and saw Tom Selleck. That's a pretty mm. cool thing to do. And holiday. he came to Hertfordshire, Radlett. Yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, What's Your Face was there and tried to grab your boobs. What's Dean Martin. Oh, yes, yes. Dean Martin yes. tried to grope you. Yes. That's an unusual thing to happen on a holiday, oh, I would say. Yeah, That's quite. a business trip. <laughs> it doesn't happen more than a holiday. Day, no. well, I don't want to name drop, but it was... It. Yes, it was you do. Jay Leno that actually took us to this Italian restaurant and Dean Martin was sitting in the side of sitting on the corner and he got up and he looked at Karen who is quite well endowed in the frontal area and uh, went hello and grabbed her boobs 
That's very <laughs> And forward. Jay said to me, he was in the Elven Advanced he's, he's got a bit. And I said, well, he hasn't got in that department, has he? Things <laughs> well, we're on a romantic sort of subject. Uh, here's, here's a question from Tom, who says, I met my girlfriend via the online game World of Warcraft. I imagine that's something that you're not that familiar with. Mm, no. Yeah, my husband played it for a few months, sadly, and it seems to involve walking through digital forests and with people dressed as wizards and stuff. Well, Tom says, it was a typical elf meets gnome love at first sight story, and she moved all the way from America to Jersey in the Channel Islands to be with me. Ooh. But even after three years, I'm still struggling with telling people how we met. A lot of people, for example, my parents and grandparents, don't even know what World of Warcraft is. And even if people do know what it is, they still look at me like I may be a serial killer when I tell them how we met. So Karen and Stanley answer me this. What should I tell people about how we met? Should I persevere with the truth or make something up? And if you think I should make something up, any suggestions? Tell the truth. Is, is, this, a, is this a game <laughs> that is a game so that you can meet people of the opposite uh, sex, so to speak? I think most of the people that play it are men or children, so I don't think okay, that's his so intention. Okay, so it's a paedophile game. But that's less embarrassing than actually putting an ad out, you know, so-and-so looking for so-and-so. Yeah, no, that's interesting, isn't it? Because that's a generational thing, I think. Yeah. I think in our generation, the stigma now of online dating is gone, but do you still think it's oh. a bit of a taboo why, thing why to do? Why yes. Why just Never got to met. try it. Why don't they just yes, say I they do. met online dating mm. then? Yeah, exactly. Why don't they say that? Would you judge someone who's met online dating? Would you think that's a weird thing? I wouldn't say... I, it's not a judgment. I mean, I know three people who have actually married in that way. Um, but they don't admit it. <laughs> what, what, do, what do they say happened then, if not online dating? Uh, met through a friend uh. or... But they're sort of our age. As you say, you, I think it is a generational thing, yeah. There are three basic uses of a computer. The first one is pornography, the second one is pornography, and the third one is how to meet somebody without actually meeting them. And that's what this is. The other uses of, of, of computers and internets fall by the wayside. Anything that makes it. You know, you're money, on the podcast, right? Of course. <laughs> I do. Anything else that you use it for is nonsense. So, how did the two of you meet? There weren't any porn sites. <laughs> exactly. So you must have had to no. recourse to uh, some other method. She, we uh, lived in the same area. I was actually married to someone else. And he kept saying, are you still married? Are you still married? Are you still married? And one day I said, well, actually, no, I'm not. Mm. Was that true at the time? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I good, good. Oh, yes. I'm honest. <laughs> yes, well, it's true. Yeah. So he maintained he'd waited a long time, but I mean, in that wait, I don't think he'd sort of literally waited. But, yeah, there were um, other things to amuse me. Why are you looking horrified, Oliver? <laughs> I've actually got a question for you, Karen and Stanley. Uh, in the podcast, uh, which you've both listened to, unlike my parents, uh, Ollie tends to be quite open about his personal life. Has he ever revealed too much yes. in your mind? Yes. What are the things you wish Ollie had uh, self-censored about? Last week, the, what happened in the library, I sort of was thinking, I don't think I can discuss this with Oliver, actually. The wanking in the St Andrew's library. Yes. But that wasn't about me. That well, was someone... Ollie's never been to St Andrew's library. <laughs> no, right. but Helen said something like, I don't want to hear about your... Um, angle of ejaculate. Angle. Of yeah, ejaculate. but that was again speculative. That wasn't. I didn't reveal the truth. I was, I was cutting off lines of inquiry before they even began. It was a precaution. And what about the way that I present you and my relationship with you in the podcast? Is there anything that you'd like to correct about my portrayal of you? No, I wouldn't correct anything. I love freedom of speech. I don't always get it at home because she's bad with something. Are you? Uh, are you surprised that Oliver has taken this uh, path in life? 
Because from the sounds of what he's talked about in his childhood of making tapes and little plays, it seems like quite a natural progression for him to be doing this sort of line of work. I, I think we never doubted of, it for since a the second. age of three. I don't think he's changed. Never stops and he talking. Said, this is the line he was going to go. Hmm. And yeah. he didn't talk till he was two, and then at and two, then these stop. long sentences came yeah, out. Then he didn't stop. And always been interested in, in broadcasting, and I recently found a little card uh, that said, was it journalism beyond compare? That's Aww. right, yes. That was my business card you when made, I was yes. 14. You made your own yes. business card. Yeah. yeah, it was very important yeah. when you're a school journalist to get yeah. the best interviews with the deputy head. You were very enterprising. Yes. and there was another character called Domino that he used to become. This is my stage alter ego. <laughs> of course. But no, we definitely knew it was going to go. You must have assumed lines. I was gay when I said my stage alter ego was Domino. He thought. Pointing yes. at Dad. <laughs> no, yes. I just I just waited to see a picture he, of the first yes. girl. I mean, he didn't want you to do ballet. Either. No, I remember very specifically a moment where you came into my room when I was sixteen, were relieved to see that there were photos of Pamela Anderson on the inside uh. of my cupboard. Yeah, even plastic was acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you think when we started doing this podcast, we'd be doing it for five years? What did you think when I when I first told you about it? What did you think? I didn't get it in the beginning, personally. I didn't quite understand, and it took a few. And then when I did get it, I thought, yay! And I did think, yeah, I thought it would go on for ages. I, I was disappointed at first, and then I found there was a sound button on the computer and managed to turn it on. <laughs> and then I thought, this is really good. <laughs> it was just this line moving across the screen, and it was coming out. And somebody said, you haven't turned the speaker on. I said, what's that? <laughs> so now I've got into it. Yeah, I think it's really yeah. good. Yes. So, Ollie, how did it feel effectively putting your parents in the position you've chosen to put yourself in every week in this podcast? Do you feel like they rose to the task? Do you think they revealed maybe too much about themselves? I thought it was quite funny that the one time I invited my parents on the show, they do slightly offensive Polish accents and tell stories about the abuse of disabled children for our parents and go just completely off-piste. And I had no idea that my family have such strangely strong feelings about vegans can i just yeah. say to any vegans listening i'm a fan of veganism <laughs> and i do not agree that vegans are worse looking i've met some very hot vegans does your mum's slightly um straight lace pull up your socks type attitude as evidence there is, is that typical of the alison zaltzman that you grew up with good lord yes is it what you heard listeners is very much what you get if you are keen to uh, fit faces to voices we have put uh, pictures up of our parents on our website oh it's a hell of a post this week yes it's it's bumper as befits the landmark episode 200 so if you want to see a picture of helen's dad holding a microphone like he's not sure exactly what kind of foreign object he has in his hand what what kind of tree could i cut down with this <laughs> then you should head over to see that now we'll be hearing martin from your parents later as well yes yeah. um but uh before we get to that uh we also met some other members of the man and zaltzman clan from the most senior to the most junior I'm very pleased to say that we're here in Stanmore in the magnificently appointed flat of Ollie's grandmother, Terry. Thank you very much for having us. You're very welcome. What a marvellous grandson you've uh, produced. Yeah, well, I like him a bit. I'm a bit prejudiced. (laughs) And this is an incredible flat and everything is very perfect. And especially the bathroom, I thought, because (laughs) there's soap with her name, Terry, printed on it. What are Grandma Terry's golden rules of interior design? Well, I try to think of a colour scheme. And um, it's a question of blending all the things together. You can't really do one without another. Are you listening, Shoreditch, with your junk shops? You can't just (laughs) mix and match. They all need to coordinate. It's a concept. It's a coloured concept. To get... 
a really good result. Here's a nostalgic question now from Molly, who says, Grandma Terry, answer me this. If you could live one day of your life forever, which would it be? Oh, my goodness. There's a few, you see. I think my first wonderful experience was we I'd been married for one year and I had never, ever been abroad. And my husband said to me, we're going to Switzerland. We couldn't afford to go by air, so we went by train. And I remember when we reached Baal that the scenery was breathtaking. It's definitely one up on Essex, isn't it, which is where you were living. (laughs) (laughs) It was so beautiful. And at night, I remember the little chalets were all lit up and the lights were reflecting on the lake. And I thought it was, I thought I was in fairyland. I had never seen anything quite so beautiful before. Now, that sounds very picturesque. And I completely get that thing of never having been abroad before. But really, you're saying you'd spend the rest of your life in Switzerland? Or on a train to Switzerland. I mean, after day five of Switzerland, you'd, you'd wish you'd have chosen Miami, surely. Possibly, because I do like America better. (laughs) This is another kind of nostalgia question, I suppose, but you can broaden it out to the modern day as well. It's from Finn from Shaftesbury, uh, who says, Grandma Terry, answer me this. Which celebrities would you invite to a dinner party? Mine would be Jesus, Pac-Man and Winston Churchill. Armand Asante. Fill us in. We're both looking blankly. Yes. Armand Asante is an Italian actor. He was in... Um, a series called Napoleon. Um, and he gets a bit of the Terry Tingle, does he? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a terrific actor. Is he available? He's, he's very nice. I don't know. <laughs> I should think he's got a, quite a lot of lady friends after him. <laughs> um, who else? Oh, dear. dear. Dear, dear, dear. I think you're allowed fictional people as well, seeing as Finn from Shaftesbury has gone for Pac-Man and also Jesus. Moses would be quite interesting. Yeah. Nice long conversation with him. Certainly had a very colourful life, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Now you're thinking of Joseph in his coat. Ha ha ha. And um Like Sinatra you like, don't you? I adored Sinatra, yes. Yes. It's a good party of gentlemen. A lot of crumpet there for you, Terry. Here's another question for you from Matty, who says, I'm a single gay guy living in Toronto. I'm going on dates quite often, but recently I've met someone that I believe makes quite a bit more than me. He's a doctor. I think he's quite a nice guy, but I've noticed that he has expensive taste, i.e. expensive clothes, dates to musicals in the best seats in the house, art galleries, the best reviewed places to eat. I always try to pay my share on a date, but I'm also trying to live within my means. So, Grandma Terry, answer me this. How do I tell him that I would love to keep going on these wonderful dates, but only if he is willing to pay for the date in full or... Do I now request that we should only do free stuff? Well, that is rather difficult, but I do feel that as he's very, very keen on this friend of his, if he puts it very tactfully, um, I think the friend will accept it. I think if he says we should go everything free, I've got a feeling the friend wouldn't be so happy with that situation. Perhaps they could alternate, so maybe one day Matty chooses the date or cooks the guy dinner, Yes. rather than always going out to these places yes. Matty can't afford. Yes, well, as long as his friend is in agreement with that, I think mm. that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, but how do you tell someone that you're trying to be romantically involved with that you want them to pay okay. for stuff? How do you approach that subject? Well, <laughs> very subtly. <laughs> what would be Terry's top tip? <laughs> 
I flash I the pearly really, whites. That's going I on really, now. Laugh. I really like you so much, and I would hate not to be friendly with you anymore. But there is this thing that I can't keep up with your lifestyle. Wow, that's good. And You've got me reaching into my pocket already for my wallet. <laughs> what's an example of a bad date now at your stage of life? What's what's a date where you think, oh God, I can't believe he wants to go there? Parachuting. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I think I'm a little bit beyond parachuting right now. <laughs> a bad date. Well, I suppose if he said, would you like to come on my motorbike, for instance, <laughs> I think my heart would sink. But um, if he said, oh, let's go to a dinner dance, I'd be over the moon. I'd love that. What if your dream man calls you up and says, Terry, I want to take you out dinner dancing, but I want to go there on my motorbike. What do you do then? Refuse. Really? The yes. motorbike thing's that strong? That would be it. You could say, I'll meet you there. <laughs> I'll meet you there. <laughs> well, Terry, I can't imagine you doing anything as vulgar as what is being suggested in this next question. Michael here from the Liverpool Street area of London County. I'll surely be travelling home and I'm thinking about getting a McDonald's. But please answer me this. What time in the evening does it become reasonable to eat a McDonald's on the train? Well, from my own point of view, I would say no, there isn't any time of day you should be eating McDonald's on the train. Do, do you think any public eating on trains is it's acceptable? Horrible. No, I don't. I, I, I personally would never do it. Um, and I, I think it's bad taste to do it. And also really. hot food is uh, making a smell for everybody exactly, else not to enjoy. Exactly. Yes, social etiquette is going out the window, I'm afraid. I mean, imagine... I mean, there was a time when a gentleman would open the door for a lady. He would put the seat back so that the lady could sit down first. You don't often see that today. Sometimes you do. That's the fault of women's lib. Yes, possibly it is. I agree. I would say that this question suggests that the man is maybe going back home from work quite late, maybe after a few drinks and... After maybe 10 o'clock, you do see quite a lot of people on their way home from the pub after work eating on the train because they've left it too late to have a proper supper at Mm. home. Well, that's part of their lifestyle. And if they're that hungry, (laughs) they have to eat, I suppose. It's bad planning, isn't it? You'd never get caught out with that. Grandma always has in her handbag some wine gums at the very least, don't you? (laughs) Something. Or a chocolate eclair. Oh, no, not an eclair. The little one, the Cadbury's one. It's not a big, I don't mean a massive cream cream cake. You mean the eclair toffees? Yeah. Yes, maybe. Yeah, I mean, they're an essential. Yeah, just to keep me going. We'll be home without those. It's a very good idea. That's right, yeah. Travel card, rape alarm, chocolate eclairs. (laughs) Rape alarm. (laughs) Just to scare people a bit. That's right. (laughs) It's what she does when she sees someone eating a Big Mac. My name is Isabel and I'm five and a half. My name's Matilda and I'm four and three quarters. My name's Monty and I'm four. Oh, yes, and I'm three. Okay, kiddies, here's a question from Claudia in Australia who says, answer me this, do horses spit? No. Never? No. What if they've got a mouthful of spit and they need to get rid of it? What do they do? They drink it. Here's a question from Ben who says, answer me this, I have a friend who's been ill recently. Do you have any suggestions to cheer her up? Medicine. Well, I like watching loads of TV until I fall asleep. And what's the best thing to eat when you're ill? Um, healthy stuff. Like what? Ice cream? No. Broccoli and carrots and... Cabbage? And 
healthy stuff, which is good for you. A banana! Now... Hi, this is Amy from Watlington in Oxfordshire. Answer me this. I'm getting married next summer, and we're trying to plan an amazing, memorable day for our guests. In your opinions, what makes a good wedding? A dress. A dress. Do you need anything to eat or drink? <laughs> no. Just a dress. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. <laughs> Not right. Auntie Helen, he really, really actually means um he want he means um we need drinks and stuff. And some nice music and nice food. What's the best food? Well, cakes and cakes and um drinks and nice stuff. What should people wear? Dresses and stuff. Did all the men wear dresses? No. <laughs> the men should wear nice, smart black suits. Black suits? That's like a funeral. Well, this is a big moment for all of us because we are here with Martin's family. Hey! hey. Yippee! Uh, in order there, you could hear uh, Martin's sister, Kate, Martin's dad, Dave, and Martin's mother, Val. Dave, you used to be a caterer for many years, so maybe you can answer this question from Emily from Plymouth, who says, I recently bought vanilla extract using the self-service checkout in my local shop. The machine decided it needed to ID me because it contains alcohol. So, Dave, answer me this. Can you get drunk by drinking vanilla extract? Only if you can buy it by the gallon. (laughs) There is a tiny amount of alcohol that's used in extracting the vanilla flavourings from the vanilla. Simple as that. And it would be a pretty horrific way to get drunk, wouldn't it? Would it would be vile. Worse than cough <laughs> and medicine. You would, yeah, and you would be ill for days. Sounds a lot like Malibu. Flavour <laughs> yes. and consequence, I would say. It's much more expensive than Malibu, I should think, though. What's, what's the weirdest fluid you've ever got drunk on, Dave? Uh, gin with blackcurrant cordial. Oh, that sounds quite nice. Sounds very summery. But not a gallon's worth. That sounds like a sort of homemade slow gin. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> and the next day wasn't very nice either bit purple indeed <laughs> i came home to a very brown worktop when uh, paul had some friends over for a stag do and i said what have you been drinking and he said malibu and barbecue sauce oh, <laughs> that must have been some sort of challenge though right not just for the flavor surely I don't know, but I know there was a bit of splashback on one of our wardrobes as well from the middle of the night, so it was just a horrendous mess. Well, seeing as we're on the subject of booze, here's a question from Matthew from the Wirral, who says, At half three in the morning, I received a drunk phone call off my ex-girlfriend saying that she should put our silly breakup behind us and we should meet up, as she cannot bear us being not friends over Christmas. We went out for four and a half years before she broke up with me in March because she cheated on me and wanted to go out with that guy. I spent a few months trying to be her friend whilst getting really depressed before realising it was doing me no good, so we stopped contacting each other. So, answer me this, sound family. Should I give her the time of day after all she's put me through? Um, oh, I'd just send a message saying, oh, no, you drunken bitch, I don't want to know. <laughs> you had your chance. You had your chance. You missed it. Goodbye. I'm a bit concerned. She thinks that bloke doesn't buy such good Christmas presents as you, Steve. Oh. <laughs> 
Take the notice of the cynics, Matthew. Follow your heart. The fact that he's written to us with this email does show that he is a bit torn, isn't he? He might want to say no, but, I mean, his heart probably is saying yes. Or something saying yes. Sound family, are there any of Martin's previous liaisons that you'd quite like him to hook back up with in preference to Helen? Hi, I'm, I'm right here. I thought he just lived with men the whole time. I don't know about any girls. Everyone was really surprised when Martin turned out to be straight. Not, not least my family. Were you aware of Martin having any little crushes when he was younger? When he was about 12 months old, we were... <laughs> he really we, started early, didn't he? Yeah, he did. We were, we were in, a, uh, in a pub and a very glamorous waitress passed and I thought Martin's head was going to fall off his shoulders <laughs> as he followed her. <laughs> but then after the physics took over, you thought, well, that's the end of all that ladies' man business. Yes, agreed. <laughs> well, here's another question on an unpalatable subject. It's from Danny from Bath, who says, I've been looking for new books to read and I checked out the biography section to see if there's anyone interesting that I may want to read about. And I noticed that so many of these books are about child abuse and general misery. So Sound Family, answer me this. Who pays to read these? Not us. You've never been tempted to buy A Child Called It or similar? I have read that, actually, Helen. Why? What possessed you? Um, It was when I was doing my A-levels and somebody said, (laughs) oh, you must read this, you must read it. And you sit there turning every page thinking I'm, I've just got to stop really reading this but you just keep going hoping the end is cheerful I think a lot of it is voyeurism and it's very sad isn't it um, Val do you have any vices in this regard are there any sort of women's mags or daytime TV shows or come on be honest there must I, be something yeah I watch Neighbours I mean oh well it's always Culpa. funny in Neighbours that's yeah. different yeah. But, I, I do too but it's not miserable like say EastEnders is no, and any misery is very brief. You, you can guarantee any misery lasts no more than three weeks, and that's that's an up thing, isn't it? I know, Don't Susan be- Kennedy had the theoretically incurable disease MS, and yeah. now she's fine. That's right, yes. Yeah. And they have comedy plot about pets instead. <laughs> I like Toadie, and if Toadie ever leaves, then I shall stop watching. That's a real surprise to me. <laughs> I didn't think there was anyone that liked Toadie. I was wondering, oh, what's he doing still in there? Why do you like, you like him as well? And he's lost all that weight, well, doing so like well. Is, is he the, the one with the ponytail who's a lawyer or something? No, no ponytail anymore, Martin. He's grown oh. up. But would you would you uh, buy Toadie's album if he did a Delta Goodrum? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you were fans. Uh, would you go and see him in Panto? I'd buy his hair products. <laughs> <laughs> he's never actually done Panto, has he? I don't think he's left Erinsborough. And we have to be finished soon because Dave and Val are going to a Panto. Uh, what's what Panto is this, and what made you what made you make that decision? We're going to see the Three Musketeers. Wow, well, that's an unconventional. That's an Panto adventurous story. Panto well, choice. Well, and we're going to um, Kate and Paul's church to watch it. And they're going because I bought the tickets, and then they couldn't get out of it. And Dad looks horrified <laughs> by the whole situation. You like Pantos, though, Dad? I remember you taking no. Uh, yeah, I remember you taking us when we were kids. I used to like pantos when they were innocent things. Right. They're not now. Not bawdy stories like the Three Musketeers. Yeah. In, in a it'll, church. It's probably all right in the church, yeah. So, Kate, you're three years younger than Martin. How was he as a, a man to grow up in the same house as? He was a very good big brother. I was a hideous little sister. That and, can't um, be true. Looking that, that's today. not true at all. No, it is. When I look back, I think, oh, gosh, what a patient, <laughs> patient big brother. Um, I used to smash up his Lego. That was the only thing that really got him going. But I built a Lego base and it had like the Millennium Falcon, it had rockets, it had like Thunderbirds, it had all different science fiction tropes on one base. And uh, uh, Kate dragged uh, this enormous teddy, like Godzilla, 
right across the middle of the base. I've never been so angry in my life before or since. So, <laughs> so what did you think Infant Martin might turn into one day rather than physicist, musician and sound man? Geek. We had to throw him, <laughs> throw him out of his bedroom at the weekend so he could see some sunlight, so he could see his friends. And I, Nothing's changed. I, I know. I recall most of my teenagers were, were spent reading Warhammer books in my bedroom and then later playing bass on my own in my bedroom. I think the problem was you weren't particularly good at building the little figures to play Warhammer, oh, as yeah. I recall. And so how did you tell little Martin the Soundboy that his future career as Warhammer Kingmaker was never going to come on? <laughs> how did you break that to him? We, we promised him he could be Prime Minister. Is there anything about the way Martin comes across in the show that surprises you? I don't think anything I say could surprise them at this point. <laughs> I think some of your turns of vulgar language, Martin, would surprise anybody. Yeah, did Martin talk a lot about testicles in very fast art terms when he was a child? <laughs> I think Martin might get his inventive swearing from Dad, to be honest. Oh, really? <laughs> What's your favourite, Dave? Um, I was complimented by one of Martin's friends from Austria when somebody was quite rude to us walking along a pavement. I shouted at them, you ignorant fuck pigs. <laughs> I, 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 liked, I liked the aftermath of this when you said, I'm sorry, but they were a fuck pig. <laughs> Just calls it like he sees it. Yeah. Wow, that's a really good portmanteau swear. I think it's put my dad's Polish accent into perspective now. Your dad said fuck pig. Um, <laughs> and if you want to hear the things that our parents said that we weren't comfortable airing, there's a bumper app extra this week for possessors of the Answer Me This app. But because I'm feeling charitable, it will also be available on our website Ooh, too. So answermethispodcast.com for that extra content. Oh, too hot for TV, <laughs> etc. I think another thing that we learned by going to Martin's parents' house is that Martin, judging by the pictures was by far uh, the most attractive child out of all of us by which I mean the only one that wasn't a monster and uh, I now understand fully why my parents never displayed any childhood pictures of us around the house <laughs> just of the dogs and if you would like to see some of these pictures of us as children then you can find that gallery on our website as well at answermethispodcast.com slash gallery of munt there you go <laughs> well uh, you may be thinking, who else is there possibly to to hear from? We've heard from all three sets of parents. We've heard from Grandma Terry, for God's sake. My, who my else only, can there be? My only remaining grandparent is in South Africa and we could not afford to drive She's there. She's not on the show. And I should, for anyone who thinks that it's about to be my girlfriend, by the way, it's not going to be my girlfriend. She, she does exist. She does exist. She's real. She's just not into showbiz. No. And she doesn't want to be on the podcast. And that, my friends, is one of the reasons that I love her. Um, <laughs> and why she still loves you. We've saved the best till last. Let's hear from our final family member and the only one who stood as a Conservative Party councillor. <laughs> Don't join this people against him before he's even spoken. <laughs> well, now we are joined by the Zaltzman that Helen describes as the funny Zaltzman and the Zaltzman that Zach describes as the belligerent Zaltzman. <laughs> well, firstly, belligerent is all of us. And secondly, it's also John Oliver off The Daily Show that thinks Richard is the funniest man alive. <laughs> it's Richard Zaltzman. How are you feeling? Well, feeling like that's quite a hard, a hard reputation to live up to, to be honest, apart from the belligerent bit which I'm fine with. All you have to do Richard is be. Um, now what, Richard one of the reasons why I've been excited to get you on Answer Me This is because I think you're going to lay down some pretty hardline truth uh, and to, uh, to correspondents such as Jason here who says I am 14 and my friend and I told each other which girl we like and surprisingly we like the same girl. We told each other this for jokes and laughs but things got serious when she liked one of us back. 
It wasn't me. So now they are dating right in my face. I thought that there was a bro code that men follow at certain types of situations like this one. So, Rick, answer me this. What should I do? Why do you think it wasn't you in the first place if you're such a sap you thought it was some bro code providing you with an invisible <laughs> protective layer around the object of your affection? So um, <clears throat> I suggest forget it and uh, walk away. You're clearly too much of a sap to get anywhere there. Not even try and use up the uh, rival? Well, you know, at that sort of tender age, they're probably going to last about six months at best until they fall out over something trivial like who sent whom a text message. So <laughs> you can either hang on in there and wait for the for the fallout and pick her up on the rebound, or you can go and get you know, have a look around and see what else is on, on the market. Yeah, but, see the other fish in the, in the yeah, sea. Yeah, I mean, if you... If you've got the balls to go fishing properly, and which Rick assumes that you don't, fisherman's code that you believe everybody should <laughs> adhere to. I can't wait until Rick's children are old enough to have boyfriends and girlfriends. So I imagine he's going to be the most terrifying, scary dad that's ever lived. It's Charlotte here in Pool. Uh, answer me this: I've just been watching Helicopter Heroes on BBC One, and it got me thinking because I would like to train as a paramedic, but. It's a year doing an A-level in biology, then two years, I think two years, doing a paramedics course at a university. So my question is, is it too late to retrain? I've just had a baby. She's only six weeks old. And I'm thinking, is it too late? I'm 31. Is that too late in life? Well, the instinct in me says, God, yes, <laughs> you're blown in. The kids are there. There's nothing you can do. However, I would say in this instance that um, you can't let the little get you down. Uh, Self-censorship? Absolutely. Wow, you're really growing up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you give in to the child, they've really taken over your whole life. So I think you have to say, in this instance, you, you've got to give it a go. And three years will fly by. They'll be out of nappies and walking around the house by then. So you can leave them at home. Just make sure they can open the fridge. And if anything goes wrong when they do open the fridge, you're qualified to sort them out. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> She's only 31. She's got realistically at least four decades of working life left. Absolutely. And, and paramedic is a noble, a noble calling, I have to say. I wouldn't want to pick objects out of people's throats and clear up after the blood and vomit myself. You'd love to be able to drive fast, though, with a siren on. I'm not sure that's the paramedic, though. That's basically an overqualified taxi driver, isn't it? <laughs> the chap on the right-hand side. Are you judging this partly on the fact that it is a noble profession, though? If Charlotte had said, Rick, I want to train as an actress and I want three years out, what would your response yeah, be? Yeah, I, I mean, if it had been go back to university and do media studies, I'd have said, wakey-wakey, smell the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> There's a child that needs a mum with a job, not a stay-at-home orphan that's going to be feral for... <laughs> three years whilst you train our mother retrained as a secondary school teacher in her 50s so it's never too late she did and uh, you know if you look at the key factor there it was that you'd left home Helen uh, <laughs> or at least were at school for long enough for her to concentrate now Rick you work for Microsoft did you ever think about doing a noble profession <laughs> oh ouch I consider that a low blow Ollie so I'm going to put that one in the bank <laughs> for now but Richard congratulations for being the only one of our generation of Zaltzmans to have a proper job well okay let's let's look at this absolutely I did I wanted or I I applied for environmental science and environmental engineering with half an eye on going and doing a proper job and, and potentially playing some small part in preventing ecological catastrophe that we seem to be sleepwalking to. Instead, you took the money job and look where the world is now. Thank yeah. you very much. Exactly. Your children aren't going to thank you in 20 years when they're living in the sea. Indeed. Indeed. Rick, here's a question from Luke. 
and he says, my brother has asked me to be his best man for his wedding in 2012. So answer me this. How do I get out of being best man? I don't want to do it. I don't particularly like my brother much, and the only reason I said yes was because he has no one else to ask. Stop being such a puff. Look, you got <laughs> you don't like your brother, so you've got the perfect opportunity to humiliate him in front of all his friends <laughs> and his wife. Um, obviously, it's also a great opportunity for you to sever all future ties with your brother if you really don't like him. So it's time to take a stand there. And I think go for it. Make that speech as offensive and inflammatory as you possibly can. <laughs> and uh, it'll be a cracking wedding that everybody will remember for the rest of their lives. Now, you asked our brother Andy to be your best man at your wedding. And uh, mm. was that what you were expecting? Lifelong rifts? No, no, no. <laughs> um, d- despite our childhood ups and downs, um, by the time I asked Andy to be my best man at our wedding, we were on... Um, pretty good terms and uh still are yeah still are absolutely and i was reasonably confident although i have to say moderately nervous on the day (laughs) that he wouldn't go overboard on the speech and indeed he didn't he did a an amazing job what what would have been an example of him going overboard rick i mean andy's brand of of comedy first of all goes over a lot of people's heads so (laughs) uh, i think he could have left some of our guests completely baffled uh, but he didn't and um he certainly didn't go for any of the uh offensive um, best man gags at all so he was he was very very much so it was it was less that you were worried that he was going to recall a time where you puked up in a wine glass or something and more that yeah. you'd worried he'd say rick's marriage is like condoleezza rice something like that <laughs> absolutely and la- leaving people scratching their heads and wondering when on earth the cake was going to come to divert them from this appalling intellectual challenge <laughs> and you've been a best man yourself any tips for how to bring the house down open with something that sets the tone so uh, when i was recently best man for a friend of mine who married his sister uh, albeit his stepsister yeah not his biological sister no really misleading there Richard absolutely uh, still pretty weird it yeah, was pretty well, weird yep. but that is a gift as a best man so <laughs> <laughs> what was your opening line so how did you meet <laughs> my opening line was well this brings a whole new meaning to family wedding <laughs> Well, now, Rick, not only have you married, you've also uh, issued spawn. Uh, So this is a question about sperm. It's from Ben in Arkansas, uh, who says, Rick, answer me this. I recently heard that spending too much time in hot tubs can render men infertile. As a man who loves hot tubs, but might one day like to father children, this makes me nervous. Is this true? I have absolutely no idea because I hate the thought of sitting in a hot tub where basically the scrapings from between other people's toes are bubbling around me in a perfect temperature for explosive bacterial growth so just so, on, on what we have in front of us we can deduce then that if you don't spend any time in hot tubs you might be incredibly fertile like Richard Zaltzman absolutely nice um, science there so yeah we can't prove the inverse yet but it's a start isn't it your testicles are supposed to be colder than the rest of your body that's why they are mm. where they are yeah I mean if you really want to go down this route and get some sort of neoprene iced underpants then really fine but I think that might put off the other people in the hot tub (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been tempted by any other kind of spa treatment or I I, I absolutely hate them this whole pampering bullshit because you're worth it, it all smacks to me of people who've frankly got nothing of any meaning in their lives whatsoever they need somebody to rub up their crack and make them feel good (laughs) (laughs) So what's your secret of your youthful complexion? banging my head against the wall every day of my working life I think (laughs) it cleans up the pores Monty if you like a girl and your friend likes that girl and the girl likes the friend better than you what do you do 
find another friend. Find another friend? You get another girl that's your friend, I think. I would do that as well. I would do that I as well. I would do that as well. That's very good suggestions. You're very sensible people. But if it's my best friend, um, I would, um, I would, um, just say, please make me play, and they would, I think, would let me. This is a question from Fiona from London, who says, answer me this. Is Beauty and the Beast a story about Stockholm Syndrome? Well, the be- um, well, it's a... It's about it is all the beast and um, turns into a prince and it's pre- and I've got a story about it and it is very 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 scary because um the beast um says hey don't touch that flower and he is very nasty and then and then he beats nicer to her. Even when you're an adult, you would be very, very scared. Doesn't sound very nice. I won't touch the flowers. Not without permission. Good. Here's a question from Meredith from Lewis, who says, Answer me this. Are there any long-term effects caused by not drinking enough water? We die. You won't grow, you die. You really will. Can my mum told me that? <laughs> So those indistinguishable childish voices were those of my nieces and nephews, Horace, Monty, Matilda and Isabel. I mean, listening to that clip, they did sound really, really sweet. But that's a very short clip. (laughs) Do you know what? Kids have very poor mic technique and they kept trying to eat it. No, my dad kept trying to eat the mic as well. (laughs) So that's not something that's exclusive to children. Of course, you've just heard Rick as well. And uh, a lot of you know that I have another brother called Andy. And you might be like, well, why didn't you invite Andy? Have you had a falling out or something? No. He's had his own special episode before. He's been on the podcast, episode 132. And listeners, it just remains for us to say a very big thank you for sticking with us for these 200 episodes. And for sending us the thousands of questions that we have answered across that time. Because without you, we'd have no content. We'd be nothing. We'd be worthless. I'd wake up in the morning and think, who the fuck am I? No one's asking me about their love dilemmas. I'd say here's to another 200, but... We all know that's not going to happen. But then we thought this wouldn't happen, Ollie. That's true. Who'd have guessed that this this incredible thing could happen? See you again five years' time at this very (laughs) card table in the corner of this living room in Crystal Palace. Even if someone else has moved into the flat by then, we'll bart our way in. I'm sure they'll let us carry on. It'll be practically a National Trust heritage site by then. Bye! Helen and Ollie, answer me this.